Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up, what's up, what's up, OG5? How's everybody doing tonight? It's Monday. How are you doing tonight, Gordon? I'm doing good, but um, can I throw out a movie suggestion of not what the watch? Sure, we can get started. Do I need to drop like a Netflix sounder on this first? Um, not a Netflix sounder, more of an Amazon sounder. I don't have an Amazon sounder yet. That's too much production value for this little show. I, I can give you a Netflix sounder, maybe, if I have one. I, I thought I had one. <laughs> I need one. I, I may get roasted, but coming to America absolutely horrible what part of you thought that it wouldn't be horrible i was way worse than the first one um a little lesson for you guys when it takes 30 years to come out with part two of something it's not going to be good i don't care what you think well i i I disagree i do like cobra kai but that's not that's a series based off of a movie. That's not a part two. You're not taking an actor, a comedic actor, who was a good actor who was in his late 20s, early 30s, who was funnier and shit, and now throwing his old ass up there. Cobra Kai took a bunch of shitty actors who were 18, who had 30 years to perfect their craft, and now they're mediocre actors at best on a series that basically relies on the fact that you have a great redeeming thought of the karate kid but even though if you would go back and watch karate kid you'd find out there's no karate no goddamn thing and it really wasn't that good of a movie to begin with this was a loaded with cameos i mean loaded well of course because it's the first time eddie murphy's done a movie since when well imagine I, I never even made it through Nutty Professor. No. But imagine if they've taken Coming to America and they've they've Nutty Professored it a little bit. It's just a little too wacky. Now, I will give it this. The blue humor is on – it's right there on Front Street. So uh, there is some funny lines that are, is extremely blue that I don't remember from the original one. It being as blue as this, but uh, you don't remember like when he was in the hot tub and the chicks went down and cleaned his royal. Oh penis? no, no, there's a whole thing with that. That's oh, okay, the, but no, it was the thing said. Oh, okay. So it was more the thing. It wasn't as subtle. It was on Front Street, so to speak. But uh, you know the. Uh, well, let's just go through the dancing bad guys, which is headed up by one Mister Wesley Snipes. When you say dancing bad guys, they're like... Imagine everybody dressed in military with AK, but they're constantly dancing when they come in. So it's a generic West Side Story type thing? No, it's, I mean, it's obviously there are um, lampooning... Morgan Long says after- he thought the end was funny. But is that saying something when you got to wait for like an hour and 20 minutes of boredom <laughs> to get to the funny part? Yeah, I mean, there was some funny lines. It's just, you know me, I if it gets a little too wacky, I'm just like... You know, I can't handle Dumb and Dumber. You know, it is, it's it's too much. Well, I'm on IMDb. Let's go through Eddie's movie history mm-hmm. and see if we can pinpoint when his quality of movie dropped off. 
So obviously, 1982, we got 48 hours. Okay. Now on IMDb, it's got a 6.9, but I think we all know that IMDb has a very generic, very neutral. Most movies are in the six or sevens. Um, I don't know if we should go on the tomato meter score, but anyhow. Number two, 1983, was Trading Places. Pretty good movie. Okay. Um, that whole scenario has been done out to death, but for those you don't remember, that's with uh, Dan Aykroyd, and Dan Aykroyd was the snob, the yuppie, the rich guy, and then uh, Eddie Murphy was the uh, vagrant, and they switched places, and Eddie basically got to see what it was like to be rich. Um, I'm not familiar with this one. Best Defense, 1984? No, not not familiar with it either. This and is mil- when he's more of an... A funny action star, right? A military weapons engineer struggles to do his job responsibly while a hapless tank commander has to live with the consequences in combat years later. And Eddie Murphy plays the tank commander. Wow. Dudley Moore vehicle. There's, that's the problem. See, I was never in a Dud- Dudley Moore. Either was I. I would say his last good movies was out of the Beverly Hills Cops series. Now, it has a 3.8 on IMDb. And Beverly Hills Cop was 1984. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. 7.3 golden child yeah we were of, one, we were of was, age then okay. yes but we were of age we were 9 10 11 12 13 i don't yeah. know how your um your 30 year old 1988 felt about it but as a teenager we enjoyed it harlem nights 1989 that's the 1920s um gangster throwback movie during the night, I'm sorry, 1930s. During the 1930s, New York City illegal gambling house owner and his associates must deal with strong competition, gangsters, and corrupt cops in order to stay in business. I think at the time I didn't enjoy it because I was too young, but I think I saw it later on as a in my 20s and I appreciated it more. 1992 Boomerang. Now, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, it's 5.6 on IMDb. A successful executive and a womanizer, of course, so this wouldn't, hand, this wouldn't fly very well in 2021, finds him, his lifestyle choices have turned back on him when his new female boss turns out to be a, an even bigger deviant than he is. Um, 1990s to The Distinguished Gentleman. I'm not even familiar with that one at all. Uh, a comment discovers uh, during a job that the U.S. Congress is where the money is. <laughs> okay. Um, now, this one, I think it started to weigh a little bit. Vampire in Brooklyn, 1995. Uh, it's got a 4.6, but I really don't mean anything on IMDb. Uh, I think he was a vampire in that one. Yep. Um, a ship docks in Brooklyn with all the crew dead, but someone gets off and the killing continues on land. A Caribbean vampire is searching for the specific woman. So that's when it starts to wane a little bit. Now, Nutty Professor thought 1996, which was huge for him because with the exception, I think that was the second time since coming to America that he did the multi-role characters. Because yes. in coming to America, he pretty much played a majority of the characters at the barbershop. Him and uh, Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall. But Nutty Professor, he pretty much played all the supporting roles, at least of his family members, with the... the um, so is that Except pay, a different pay for each role you play? I would think so. So you just, now you, now the whole well, cast. Well, no, I think he probably got. Directed the one guy. No, I don't, I don't think he got scale for each character. No, he probably, it was probably all worked out. Metro 1997. Um, vaguely remember that. Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy is Dr. Doolittle. That one was a, a kid success, but eh. I don't know. I will say Shrek. He did, but that was not really. That wasn't an Eddie Murphy vehicle. That was a um, 
Oh, beep, 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 DreamWorks. Beep, boop, boop, no, boop, boop. One net. I thought it was one with the Pixar. light. Pixar, yeah. Yep. It's also was DreamWorks at some point in time. I think they all got bought up by Disney. Holy man, I thought it was a complete flop. Didn't see it. Um, so in my opinion, the best thing he had done since 1996 would have been Life, which was 1999 with Martin Lawrence. Uh, 1932, two strangers are wrongfully convicted and develop a strong friendship in prison that lasts through the 20th century. That was a pretty good show. Bowfinger, wasn't a fan of, 1999. Showtime, 2002. Um, as a him and Robert De Niro, which... The poster shows Robert Nero looking like he's from the 70s. Adventure of Pluto Nash. I'm assuming that's a kid's movie. I Spy, kid's movie. Dream Girls, never saw it. Heard it was a great movie. Uh, Norbit, which was basically the family from uh, Nutty Professor. And then 2008, Meet Dave. 2009, imagine that. Never seen it. 2011, heard Tower Heists was mediocre. Rated 6.2. Then 1,000 Words. And then I guess his new coming to America, but I don't know. I haven't seen his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'd have to go back to the 11th movie back, which was life would have been the last movie of his I had seen. I think he's trying to recapture a little magic out of coming to America. Well, I liked it when we were kids, you know, it was, I thought it was funny. It was a little raw for us, a little edgy, but nothing's better than his standup. If you guys haven't seen Driving in Cars with Coffee, the Jerry Seinfeld Netflix, uh, YouTube. Well, it started out as YouTube, then they moved over to Netflix because Netflix likes to buy other people's properties and slap Netflix original on it. Still don't know how that works. Netflix original. Then you do research. Oh, this show was on the BBC in 2004. Somehow (laughs) they bought it in 2018, but now they can call it an original because even though it was produced in 2004. But anyhow. Um, Eddie Murphy was on Driving Cars with Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting because he was talking about how many years it had been since he'd done stand-up. And Jerry was like, come on, man. you got to do it. There's so many people out there waiting. But he was kind of reluctant. He said he was going to work on a little bit. But I think he was almost scared to try to live in the shadow of the, his former self. I, I think at some point he decided he's better off to go on top than to embarrass himself. Well, that and you come out with the kind of sense of humor he was known to have. He'd probably run into some problems these days. Yeah, just, he couldn't do wrong nowadays. Fall, fall down flat, you know. But I think he but, needs. I think we need that though. I think we need more it, people. We need some pushback uh, with the um, with the uh, the shit that's going on from comedians. Thank God. Mm-hmm. We need we need some pushback, and um, we need to. I don't know. And I kind of did a TikTok on this like last week. What we got to do is just, we got to stop lending Twitter so much fucking credit, man. Because that's where all that cancel culture comes from. It's primarily, it's primarily Twitter. People, emotions and opinions. It's just insane. Anywho. But yeah, I thought I'd bring that one up, uh, just, you know, off the top. Just get you thinking. Maybe you could watch it this weekend and let us know what you think. But, uh. Well, I'm going to move my list of shit around. Now I'm trying to find my Netflix sounder. Because I have a Netflix um, show worth watching. Well, this one is an Amazon or original. Yeah, but I have one for Netflix. I do have Amazon. I still I still find Amazon hasn't sorted out their damn menu yet. It's so hard to find shit on there worth watching. Like, Especially if it's something you've been watching, all of a sudden it's gone. Especially if you're like, if you're a general 
browser. I'm not big on typing shit in a search. I want to see your re- uh, your referrals. And even the stuff that you knows there is kind of hard to find. Kind of like my Netflix sound there that I'm, I'm trying to uh, drag and spread this out a little bit so I can locate it. But I'm about to say fuck it. Fuck it. There you go. Yeah, fuck it. Um, do you remember, do you, does the name Brian Wells sound familiar to you? Vaguely. Does the idea of, oh, there it is. Huh. Oh, Joe McHale's show ruined us for that one. Well, what's that? That? Joe McHale's show at Joe McHale. Did you ever watch that? No. It was basically the Netflix version of Talk Soup for him. Anytime something that he went to talk about Netflix, he'd throw that that up ahead, and it was just like four or five times. I start hearing a beep. His eyes just got real wide. A potential hostage sent into the bank with an explosive around their neck. This had never happened before in the history of the FBI. It's a bank robbery, but it's a scavenger hunt. Guy has a cane gun, and it was actually loaded. Who put this in motion? I did nothing. Who actually said, hey, let's rob a bank? When you have a bomb off to your neck. It became a diabolical game to them. Brian Douglas Wells, November 15th, 1956, died on August 28th, 2003. If you don't remember this, you will here in a minute. Was an American pizza delivery man who was murdered during a complex plot involving a bank robbery, a scavenger hunt, and a homemade explosive device near his hometown in Erie, Pennsylvania. You don't remember this? I do not. This guy in 2003 walks into a bank. He has a t-shirt on. It says guest jeans and written in marker. He has something around his neck and what looks like a board under his shirt. Essentially, not to give any way the plot, but the name of the show I'm talking about is called Evil Genius. It's on Netflix. It gets down to how poor Brian Wells ended up in this situation. And no spoiler alerts, but this goes back to what we often say, which is life choices. Choices in life. <laughs> okay. Um, anyhow, this guy ends up at a PNC bank and it turns out the big thing underneath his neck he went to deliver a pizza. Sandwich board? No, worse. He went to deliver a pizza, and he found himself with a homemade bomb. The neck clamp was essentially a giant handcuff loop. Same mechanism inside with the double wheels. Mm-hmm. And then welded to the front was a homemade box, roughly about the size of a square D electrical box. And inside of it was a cell phone, two kitchen timers, and two pipe bombs and some other stuff. And he was given a super over-elaborate uh, scavenger hunt as well as a super o- over elaborate robbery note um, I'm no bank robber expert but usually when you rob a bank you hand the teller a note that says give me all your money or you die the note they gave him for the bank was about four paragraphs long <laughs> because the insane people who thought this plot were smart but fucking crazy and long story short um, as one does when someone robs a bank the cops show up so they gave a whole solilo- soliloquy. Oh, it, it's soliloquy. This five-part miniseries on Netflix will just blow your mind that one people are this fucking insane. The group of assholes that p- plotted out this shenanigans. And thank you to the director for not showing in full color. Poor Brian Wells exploding because uh, it was all caught on camera. 
because he was arrested by the cops and they show him in his handcuffs and he's super calm because I think he thought the bomb was fake and he's just talking to the cops and they cut his shirt open and they're waiting for the bomb squad to come and he's talking and they're waiting for the bomb squad to come and beep, 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 boom, he did. Well, actually, okay, no, he didn't die. Song goes, surprise, you're dead. He didn't die. He laid there dying. And, of course, the police were concerned that he had another bomb on him. So instead of checking him out, he died waiting for the bomb squad to come and show up. But um, back to Wikipedia. Uh, did, 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 following this the guy's, uh, He looks a lot like what's his name from um, he, Office Space. Yeah, he looks like a mix between him and Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Following an attempt to rob the PNC bank while uh, surrounded by police, Wells was murdered when an explosive collar locked his neck detonated. It is now known that the collar bomb or uh, or it is now known as the collar bomb or pizza bomber case. The incident was shown on live TV. Wells' involvement in the plot is a matter of controversy. I'm not going to read anymore because I want you guys to watch the show. But it's fucking insane, and the two masterminds behind this are batshit crazy but they're batshit crazy right along there with the unabomber who as we all know is a like fucking genius QAnon, QAnon batshit crazy no as in um master's degrees associate's degrees um head of their class but their cheese slid off their cracker somewhere between 1979 and 2003 a little too much acid and uh shit goes downhill from there but uh definitely go out and watch it on netflix it's called evil genius and uh it's well done because one, the documentarian, if I see, we do everything half ass here. If I actually did anything full ass, I'd tell you what the documentarian's name was, the production company, what the rotten tomato score is. I'm not going to give you any of that, but I will say the documentarian who put this together started writing letters to one of the co-conspirators while they're in prison back uh, about three years after this happened and didn't put the documentary out until 2018. So he had like 11 years worth of content, letters, interviews, news footage. It got to the point where he even has interviews with the uh, police, the FBI, the ATF agents, and they give him full access to all the evidence. So he has nice, well-lit close-ups of evidence, particles of the bomb. So it's not just like, here's a documentary of some news footage and some newspaper clippings. It's well done. It's like a, it took him like, think 11 years to put this together and it's really well done, but you just, it's one of those shows you're watching. Like, I can't believe crazy fucks like this really exist. And it's been out on Netflix since the summer of 2018. Yeah, but it's, huh. it's kind of just... Uh, well, well, it showed up on Carrie's because she's into the all the true crime stuff. And so when we were going through her, it showed up on her recommended. But yeah, it's been, it's been out for a while, I guess. But we just watched it. So um, go and check that one out. You'll be um, sorry you did, I guess. But it's really good. But it's... Yeah, I'm not into watching people... Um, get eviscerated no they 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 don't show well they kind of show it once but out of all the camera angles it kind of showed the one that was like across the street and zoomed in and all you know blurry and digitized out they didn't show the full color news camera equivalent of it my god but it's it's super insane Mm. so how has your weekend been what's been going on there in southwest florida Nothing went on this weekend um, because, one, I'm training for my Savage Race that I have next this coming Saturday. And, now, uh, this is your first Savage Race, correct? No, this is my third Savage Race. I haven't done a Spartan Race. Uh, my Spartan. goal for this year is to do a Spartan Race, which is a little more 
hardcore. Um, that's the one where you got to carry a 75 pound bucket for 200 meters. You got to carry like a 75 pound sandbag. Um, and at that event, if you don't pass the obstacle, you got to do 30 burpees, which will burn you out. So I've been, if you guys go to my YouTube channel, I've been doing an OCR workout in my house. It's more designed for the Spartan, but if it's good enough for the Spartan, it'll, it'll definitely help my time with the Savage race. But, um, I want to go back last week because I didn't get a chance to talk about this on last week's episode. Last Friday, we were asked by a family member if yeah. we could uh, babysit their kid early Saturday morning. We're like, sure, ain't got nothing going on. And so they'd come and drop the, uh, God, 13-month? No, she, yeah, she just turned a year, about 15-month-old off. And they yeah. took their other two kids, and a friend of theirs had a boat. And they were supposed to go out for a short, fun-filled day on the water. Mm, did I hear Gilligan's Island theme song going on? Yes, you do. Um, they left here about 9.15, and around 8 p.m. they called Tale us. Tale of a fateful trip. It's very reminiscent to uh, your trip on Lake Erie and Kelly's Island, which I'll allow you to uh, tell because I wasn't there. I was out back fishing. But anyhow, before we get into that story... Have we uh, told this one before? Uh, I don't know, but you can tell it. But back to the family members. I don't know if I would trust this boat captain again. Luckily, he has Seato. Now, for those of you not living in Florida or near a body of water, Seato is kind of like an insurance policy you want to get if you have a boat. Basically, as the name implies, no matter where you're at, if you get stuck, ran out of gas, broke down, they'll come tow your ass out and bring you back to shore. Triple A for boats. Yes, but uh, unlike Triple A, if you don't have the membership, they'll still come help you, but for a premium. So anyhow, they go out. I don't know. From what I understand, all cell phone service and GPS on your cell phone ends about three miles off the coast. Okay. I would assume that this person had a onboard Garmin. I don't know. Here's what I know from a little bit I was told. They went out fishing. We're out out somewhere. And they were planning on going to one of these islands with these restaurants on it. So they packed no food whatsoever. Even though they have an uh, 11-year-old with them, a 6-year-old with them, two adults. Well, actually four adults and maybe some other kids that I don't know about. So they just took beverages with them. No food whatsoever. Um, somehow between their boating around, fishing, whatever their daily activities were, they got lost. I'm not sure how. They were out boating off, huh? I wasn't there. Okay. If I was there, of course I wasn't there, but if I was there, and let's just say hypothetically, it's a brand new boat, maybe the person wasn't familiar with their onboard equipment. You've been out in the water for a while. You have no idea where you're at. But if you see land, even if you don't know what part of Florida that land is, drive to said land. Mm-hmm. You get your phone out and see if your GPS kicks back on. At least it'll say, hey, you're in Tampa or whatever. Don't know. All I know is... How'd I end up in Cuba? All I know is they got lost. They ran out of gas. Oh, shit. They had to wait for Cito to come. Bring them gas. Now, how were they able to get a hold of Cito? Uh, CB radio, radio, I'm assuming. Yeah, to ship to shore radio? Yeah, I'm assuming. Um, Where you at? I have no idea. Like I said, I didn't get the full story. I just got the occasional things from. I love that story. And I love 
Andy Love Story 2. Oh, I think he's talking about uh, the movie Marty on Facebook. Sorry. Here's here's the run of it. They ran out of gas. Yeah. I had to wait for Cito to come. Cito brought him gas. able to read the coordinates somewhere. That's... Cito brought him gas. Okay. Now it's getting dark. Now is it in a little, just a little red jug? I don't know. I would assume they... Here's a gallon. <laughs> Wish you luck, bud. Once again, from what I understand, it's a brand new boat. Okay. I don't know if this thing doesn't have a depth finder on it. Don't know. These aren't questions you ask after someone spends 13 hours out on the water with their kids. No, but it's one you revisit maybe a week or two later. <laughs> after they get their gas and I guess maybe told verbally head that way to get to where you want to go. Uh, I don't yonder know. <laughs> past the waves. Go down past buoy number eight and hang a hard left. <clears throat> Anyhow, somewhere around past buoy number eight and when they went to hang a hard left, they hit a sandbar and got stuck. So then they had to wait for Cito to come back out a second time. Hey, you know those people you just, uh, <laughs> you just rescued, Steve? Yeah, mm-hmm. with the gas? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It's us again. That's when you're glad. That's when you're happy. You have the account because imagine, imagine a non, imagine a premium non-membership bill twice in one day. So then they came and got. I'm sure that they probably hit the sandbar a pretty good clip. So I don't know if it was as simple as let me tie a cable to you and pull you back. If there's some little more work involved. But long story short, I think that they're three hour. Tour. You got a shovel? Why would I have a shovel? I'm on a boat. <laughs> right. I think the max tracks, they don't work here either. Yeah. I think the three hour tour turned into like a 14 hour freaking nightmare. And so I asked him, when's the next time we're going out on that boat? Ah, no comment. <laughs> so they were marooned for a little bit. Marooned <clears throat> only had, I'm, I'm assuming probably some alcohol and a few bottles of water, no food. And never got to the restaurant, never ate anything. And I bet they had a splitting headache by the time they hit the shore. And one of the uh, in-laws had to come pick up the kid. No, it was a Sunday. That was even worse, yeah, because Carrie had work the next morning, so we couldn't keep the kid overnight. So it was a Sunday. But, yeah, they spent all day. But that reminded me, I've never been lost at At sea or on a great lake, for that matter. But I know some people who have, because my father thought it'd be a great God idea bless him. <laughs> to take our 15 foot pontoon boat up to one of the Great Lakes. The shallowest of the Great Lakes, Lake Erie, whose average depth runs between five foot and 15 feet. Yeah, but from what now, I understand. Anything about shallow water, what does shallow water create? Waves. You got it. And from what I understand, when dad was explaining to some folk at his work and the like in the boating community, he got a lot of weird looks when he made the suggestion that he was going to take his pontoon boat up to Kelly's Island. And we sure did get a lot of weird looks uh, trailing that some bitch around Kelly's Island. Well, you know what, though? All in all, everything went well except for that. Well, it was actually near the end of the trip because we even went all the way over to... um. Putin Bay. The put well, we were in Putin Bay. Well, that's where the, 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 the trouble started. But we went from Kelly's Island at one point in time all the way over to um where Cedar Point is on the mainland. Thank you for riding, Cedar Point, America's roller coast. And, and with no problems. But one morning and I 
don't know why Don did not join us on this trip, but there was, we decided to go into Putin Bay, which has the world's longest bar. Well, the crazy and thing I'm, is, I'm real 19 quick, years old at this, I'm 18 or 19 at this, at this point. Crazy thing is, is I vaguely remember going out on that boat that weekend. How many times did we go out? Three or four. I vaguely remember going out on it. And I remember that particular day, the last day there, I stayed back and was fishing in the canal behind the the um, condo. Fishing I, or were you fishing? A little bit of both. I was like eighth grade, I think. Okay. And there, we were in a rental condo, and I think downstairs there's like three girls my age who were swimming. And so I decided to stay back and do some fishing and fishing. And so I wasn't there. So you guys left out, and we, we I didn't hear out, from we, you we for left hours. Out that morning, water was calm. If there's ever a time to have a cell phone. But the technology wasn't there yet. This was 1994, I believe. The summer of 94? Or the summer of 93. Summer of 93, right after I graduated. That's correct. Yeah, because I would have been in 8th grade in 93. Yep. And uh, we, I think Dad had just gotten Sammy, too, at that time. But uh, we had a head out. We went and got on in the monument. That's kind of like a miniature version of the Washington Monument. We went to uh, the world's longest bar, which is basically like a labyrinth. Uh, we did some other things, and, and I've got to go back. But then I, I remember we were getting in, and, and the waves were a little rocky. We're like, okay, well, we're going to – it's literally like a mile across the way, maybe two from Putin Bay to Kelly's Island. And we started heading that way. And and hold on real quick. That, For those of you who aren't familiar with the majesty of a pontoon boat, um, they sit off the water about the height of a dock with a three, uh, two and a half foot railing around it. It's essentially a dock <laughs> with a motor. Yeah. So it's not like you're at the top of a V hall, eight feet off the surface of the water. It's what we call a shallow draft. Sure. Extremely shallow draft, like two barrels worth. Um, one on each side. Anyway, we start going across and the waves are picking up. So dad had me grab the, uh, the weather radio and at one point we got i got bucked so hard it went out my hand into the little um there's like a, a little structure on the back that holds the motor between the pontoon i see it go in there and i just see it drop down yeah i was gonna say there's no bottom on that slips out <laughs> the back of it it's just a v so that's that's shot and we are i mean it's yeah i could literally look down at the water when i'm on one side of the boat uh, but we keep trying to motor with this 25 horsepower motor just to, just to add a little to it. That's insane. That there. seemed, I mean, that seemed kind of slow, but kind of fast back then. But then again, we also had a 1991 wave runner three that was 55 horses. That seemed yeah, fast back then. Pre wave runner. Though. Yeah, it was, but I'm just saying 25 horses by today's standards is a joke. Why are it's you licking me motor. so bad? So, uh, we ended up, thank God the winds were blowing out of the north because we ended up on mainland Ohio. And uh, Dad had to call a taxi. Isn't that where they filmed Tommy Boy? <laughs> Probably. And Dad ended up taking a taxi back, him and Melody and, I, and, and, and our stepsister. I stayed with the boat. So now I'm the kid who's staying on the boat. They're probably wondering why is there a kid on the pontoon hanging out at this dock for what so did, long. What did you do for like two hours? I think I tried to take a nap and not burn up. Jesus. I don't even remember. And then uh, he came back and I think he just headed home. Yeah, we and had I to. Said, yeah. Yeah, because basically we the amount of gas money, toll money, ferry money. Um, obviously, when you're putting a boat 
on a ferry with a trailer, you're paying twice the money because you're, uh, and then you got to do that twice. And so yeah. when it was all said and done, uh, yeah, I think he, you it's two basically getting busted. It's like equivalent to getting busted in, uh, in, in Vegas. Yeah. You two that drove back ago. and then, um, we all hopped in the van. I'm going to put you down cause you're just licking me not stop. You're driving me nuts. Go eat a lizard or something. There's one over there in the corner. I do love dad to death, but I have a feeling he has a tendency of overloading his vehicles with trailers. <laughs> just saying. Yep. He's an engineer, right? No. Chevy S10. So it's coma. But yeah, it's it's definitely a <laughs> There's a little bit of a theme there. Yeah, definitely a little bit of a theme. That's <laughs> yeah, all good though. So it was, the a, closest, it was a good adventure. The closest thing I can vaguely remember to a boat fiasco okay. is God. We had been super young because this was before we lived in Ohio. Or maybe shortly after we moved to Ohio when, when I was still in second so you're like grade. In first, second grade, yeah. All Because you weren't there. It was me and mom down on the Ohio River. Tell all the stories. And some point, I think Nanan got like a, what would be kind of considered, of course, back in the late 80s, early 90s, it wasn't cheap. But by the standards of what this thing was, it was a cheap one. It was a yellow, thick, rubber, inflatable boat that kind of looked like a Zephyr boat, but it wasn't. It didn't have, like, the lumps in the middle. But it was a thick, I remember it was bright yellow with some blue writing on it and had, like, two blue oars. And the thing was probably five feet long or so. Mm-hmm. And, hey, let's put this in the Ohio River. <laughs> let's not worry about current. <laughs> and so it's me and her, and we're, we put it out and... As the river does. Not even tied off to the shore? No. No, no, no. We go out and start drifting down to the left. This won't mean anything to the listeners at home. But so you're headed down towards Big Bone. Past Trick. Wes's house and, and down towards that way. We went past Big Bone. I don't know. We could end ended up down where she lives now. I have no idea. All I remember. No, it was you and mom, right? Just me and mom. Okay. And the only thing I really remember is two things. One, we're out there for fucking ever. The current was too strong that my young ass and her ass, we cannot go how back. Was, how was she during this? I, I think she played it cool. The coolest part I remember is Bald Eagle came down and pulled a fish out of the river. That was cool. And I don't know whatever happened to the boat. I remember at some point she said, fuck it. This is a fool's errand. And she waited until we got down to where we could see a road along the shoreline. And we just docked that some bitch and thumbed it and got right back. I don't remember how far we made it. I know nobody it was, went back to rescue the said boat. Huh? I, I, it has never been seen of again. I don't know if once again I can't remember if I was down on a vacation. I don't know if a scouting party went out and retrieved it later. If it was just written off as another victim to the monsters of the Ohio River. I tell you what that that river. I remember there's a couple things. You may have been with us. We were uh, with mom's group of friends boating and. The uh, the logs. And yes, the is this when Ray just, rented the pontoon boat? Yes, and, and we were heading up towards Rising we, Sun, Indiana. And we nailed that slightly submerged log, and it shot the back of the boat up. Yeah, it looked like just a little up. three foot long log, and it was a submerged fucking tree. <laughs> the whole back yeah, of the pontoon boat just came out, and this big ass tree just came to the surface. Is like holy hell! Just, and I remember uh, getting out on our cousins. Uh, Sea-Doo, 
That was one. They were, you know, the fast sixty. I never. And wrote. I'm just hauling ass at full speed on that river, because you know this is after we had our jet ski, right? Yep. And um, this may have been after I came back from Montana the first time around. So I used to be on snowmobiles. I'm the only thing I'm thinking in my head is, God, I hope I don't hit a tree. Yep. God, well, that thing would have bounced off of it pretty well, but yeah, I would have bounced with it though. Yeah. But I never got the chance to play in the wake of the uh, the, the um the barges. No. That funny th- fun. So we had that wave runner and then you and your girlfriend at the time flipped it over and it never ran again. And which is crazy because dad took it to the Yamaha dealer. We bought it from, they couldn't figure out <laughs> craziest thing about this is the sim- simplicity of the fix is so dumb and how many years and okay. So long story we short, we rebuilt the, engine. we bought, I, when I turned 16, I didn't get a car. I got a used wave runner three that my dad bought at a motorcycle shop thing was used. And it was 55 horses. It was great. Um, I probably rode it about six or seven times, and Gordon's happy ass came back from Montana, and he turned 18. And does like, hey, you can have it too. Thanks, free gifting. But anyhow, we take it out, and um, they had the pontoon boat out there, which was great. So we would take the pontoon boats out on the lakes and then use the jet ski, and the pontoon boat was like a mobile dock. Worked out great. Pull over, yeah, eat, Yeah, especially that stuff. when Don wanted to rush up on it and just so fishtail and spray everybody on the boat. So anyhow, Gordon took his girlfriend out there, who was my girlfriend at one point in time. That's another story for another time. And they they flipped the damn thing over. Indian Lake. Indian Lake. And now on the Wave Runner, it had a diagram. You had to flip it back a certain way, which is kind of an engineering flaw. But anyhow, you had to flip it back a certain way to keep from flooding it, which they did. But it wouldn't start. And so we tow it back. Long story short, as Gordon said, we sent it to the Yamaha dealer. They couldn't figure out what the hell was going on with it. Dad called Yamaha. They offered to fly somebody out to fix it on on his dime, of course, which we said no. He uh, was an engineer, had a friend who was a motorcycle mechanic. He took it apart, ported out the engines, took out the generic choke, put a K&N carburetor on it, cold air filter, yada, yada, yada. Oh, I bet the thing would have hauled ass. Probably added an extra five to ten horses to it. Which at that time, you know, the three cylinder engines had just come out just a year later. So, you know, this thing would have been a little bit. F- what the hell was that? Bailey apparently is chasing a lizard and just knocked over one of my soundproof boards what? onto the other right. computer. Why well, you got a lizard in your house? Because oh, it's Florida. <laughs> it's Florida. Don't you have scorpions in your house? No. When I was in Texas and I was staying at the Airbnb, I had a tarantula in my living room at 2 in the morning. So far, no scorpions. I do have a black light, the fine scorpions, which now I use the low. Are you satisfied with yourself? Urine. You're tearing up my room. Anyhow, back to the story. Long story short, thing got rebuilt, yada, 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 never ran. Dad said, hey, we're moving to Texas. What do you want to do with this Wave Runner? Um, well, I'm living on the west side of Columbus. I have no money, no means to fix it if it did run. But I'll couldn't, take it. It's mine. couldn't afford gas or a car uh, insurance on the thing, so we just threw it in the garage. Mm-hmm. I got married, towed the thing down, put it behind the mother-in-law's house. Mm-hmm. Um, she had co-signed on a computer for me and my now ex-wife at the time, and so she was holding well, the- Let's back up. Co-signing on a computer. Uh-huh. We had no credit. We were all poor. Okay. Um, so this was a nice, sweet-ass compact Passaria with monitor. Probably cost about two grand in 1999. And what was the uh, the processor on that? Uh, it was a 
385? I think it was a one, 133 megahertz, 256 megabytes of RAM. That's actually the computer I made these techno songs on. And it was from CompUSA. No, Sun TV. This is the one that gave you the whole feeling to get into the industry, right? Yeah, that's what I made this song on. But anyhow, so we get a divorce. I moved to California. And so I moved to California. I pay that computer off and off all my bills. And then like a year later, I get a letter saying, hey, I'm selling my house. Come get your wave runner. It's still underneath my dock. <laughs> okay. So I book a flight. Now keep in mind, I had this wave runner in my garage on the west side of Columbus for about two years. Couldn't afford to do it. Thing couldn't run. Even if it ran, couldn't afford gas because it had the same size gas tank as my Chevy S10. And you'd go through that gas tank twice in one day if you're out having fun. Couldn't afford gas or insurance. So it sat in my garage for a year and a half, sat behind her house for like two years, right? So then I book a flight to fly from California to her house. My sister borrows a truck. We drive from Kentucky to Columbus, which is a two-hour drive, and gas. Throw more money out the window. Drive to Columbus, and the tire is flat. Dry rotted on the trailer. So... We go to uh, Walmart and buy a trailer tire, go put it on there, tow this thing down to Kentucky, down to the river, put it up behind mom's house. Now, did the lights still work on the trailer? Mm-hmm. Everything worked okay. except for the dry rotted tire. So, the, you know. And the wave runner. We're looking at a plane ticket, which was all also an excuse to see my mom because I was living out in California. Tire, gas, time. Go drop the thing off down at the river. Bid everybody do, fly back to California. About a year and a half later, I get a phone call. <laughs> what do you want to do with this wave runner? I don't know. I am not flying back home for it. <laughs> Your cousin Mike wants it. Great. Give it to him. <laughs> so I just, after all this time, this thing's been sitting now probably five years. It's now 2004. It's a 1991. Now the current wave runners are four cylinders. They're nice and fast. They haul ass. You're talking like 150, 200 horses. And this thing's 55 horses. He lives on the, he, he wants to take it down the river. Have at it. He's a diesel mechanic. He thinks he can fix it. So apparently. Do you think he could fix it or? He was working on it. He had the top popped on it and he's filling with it. And his buddy's over there and they're talking. Okay. Turn it over. Nothing. And once again, we had the engine rebuilt. All new plugs, all new cables, of course. That was five years ago. <laughs> it had been sitting out under a tarp for all these years. But never used. Never used. He's working on it. And his buddy gets a shock. Because his hand is on the kill switch. Now, for those of you not familiar with a jet ski, they're much like a treadmill. And the fact that there's a little wristband, or well, back then you tie them wrist, now I think you clip them in your life jacket, so that if you fall off, it has a kill switch, and it keeps the wave runner from running away from you. Apparently, when Gordon flipped this thing over, the gasket on the kill switch had a leak and water got in and corroded the kill switch. Thus, the kill switch no longer does its job. And what's the kill switch's job? Actually, it's doing its job permanently. As the name implies, its job it is to the kill the motor. <laughs> so, the fact that we took it to, was it Ask? I'll call them out. They're probably closed now. Ask Yamaha. Yes, on Hoover Road in Grove City, Ohio, circa 1997, 
We took it to you clown asses. You guys couldn't figure it out. No one thought, hey, let's check to kill switch. All the money we spent rebuilding the motor, the schlepping it around, the storage, the trailer tires, the trip to California. By the time my cousin got a hold of it in 2004, you know how much a kill switch cost for a 1991 Wave there, Runner 3? $25. He was into it for $25. Yes, they're still there and they still sell. They still sell. $25 and he got himself a free Wave Runner and they used it on the river until his, um, until he, I don't know, he could still be using it for all I know, but basically. My that I think I probably rode that thing twenty times. <laughs> he probably got more use out of it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they rode it a hell of a lot more than we did. So yeah, we got like a good twenty runs out of it because the fine people at Ask Yamaha on Hoover Road in Grove City, Ohio, across from what used to be known as Johnny's Pizza, where all the riffraff hung out. <laughs> it used to be an odd lots or something, didn't it? Uh, um ask i think was in odd lots yeah yeah because they used to be at a different location then they relocated there and they're still there today they so, got a 3.1 out of five stars <laughs> oh imagine that <laughs> they're definitely not in it for the um the repair work they're in it for selling stuff um, real quick, I want to talk about the Lee County Fair last weekend. There really wasn't much to talk about it other than the fact that it's super expensive. I should have went to like Universal Studios because I mean the one good ride's called the Zipper, and at eight tickets at a dollar fifty a piece for tickets. You're talking about a twelve dollar ride for two people, so twenty four bucks after paying to get in there to ride run ride for like thirty eight seconds. Real Florida's definitely open. They said, Hey, Lee County Fair, we got all our <laughs> coronavirus stuff in place nobody was wearing a mask except for people who were working there but all in all good time super expensive but that's what i did two weekends ago you and i know a little thing about fast food restaurants right yes although i i do have to mention something about florida it's kind of interesting that the mayor of uh was it vegas west palm beach or orlando oh one yeah. of the cities out there said uh hey yeah college kids for, for the spring break just go to vegas they've been running college kids out of here forever because obviously you young cats are gonna be too young to remember this but back in the 80s fort lauderdale daytona beach they made movies about it that's where everybody'd go and trash hotel rooms and get drunk mtv used to have their spring break down there that set up co- uh, stages on the beach and have two-week-long programming dedicated to the spring breaks in Florida. But the towns just got tired of all their shit getting destroyed. So, yeah, they've been running people out of here forever, mm-hmm. at least on that coast. So, I don't even know if I want to get into my Pollo Tropical story. Go ahead. <laughs> we are all ears and are all interested, I think. I don't know if they're interested, but you're a captive audience, at least as long as you're driving your car or stuck in the bathroom. I'll make this kind of quick. Um El Pollo Tropical, they're a place that serves island-style food. And if you're trying to eat healthy with the exception of the rice, it's a good place to go, like if you need fast food, but you don't want, you know, fatty fast food. Because it's all, like, rotisserie chicken, but, well, it's a full chicken, but cooked on an open flame. Kind of like what Burger King pretends to have. This is literally, you go in there and there's just a big-ass grill. like uh, El Pollo Loco does? 
Yeah, kind of like that. But you can get quarter chicken, half chicken. They also do like um, ribs, beef ribs. I don't think pork ribs. But anyhow, you can go there and get chicken, plantains, black beans and rice. You know, with the exception of the white rice, it's pretty damn good for you. And we used to go there all the time because they used to have what was called the tropical wings. Well, they got rid of them. Why? I do not know. Maybe the overhead on wings was just too much and weren't making enough money off the margins. But so Carrie and I quit going there about two years ago when they got rid of the tropical wings. And then we went there about six months ago and just wasn't wasn't too hip to it. Chicken was dry. Rice sucked. When they first opened, they were killing it. I remember they first opened when I worked in radio, and that's how I found out about them because they ran advertisements over there. Real quick, El Pollo Loco was in business about eight years. No, El Pollo Tropical. No, no, no. Before El Pollo Tropical. Okay. Well, El Pollo Loco is a West Coast thing. Yes, it is. And it's more Hispanic. This is more Caribbean style. Hence the. Go ahead. It seems like it has a very similar method in cooking chicken. No, sure. It's just open flame. So anyhow, we were trying to decide what the hell we want to eat. Didn't feel like cooking. We haven't gotten our box in a while, which we need to get re-get our box because we've been eating like crap. And I've been wanting to cut some weight for my race. And I was like, I know we're going to regret this, but let's go on the website. Let's see what El Pollo Tropical's got going on. And so I ended up getting their their platters, like a quarter of chicken, um, five things of sh- uh, grilled shrimp, and then some pork or something with black beans and rice and plantain or two. And... Carrie and Seriana ordered a few things and we ordered online. Now it's like eight minutes from here to there from my house. And so we dilly dally cause I said, be here in 20 minutes, walk inside, pick it up from the shelf and good to go. So we dilly dally here for a few minutes and because we're watching our weight, I have no soda in this house for me. Seriana drinks water and Gatorade. Carrie has diet Coke, which I try to stay away from. And so I said, well, let's stop at the Wawa next door and let's go in there and get me a bottle of Coke and get you something. And I send her in there because I got Bailey in the car. And mm-hmm. Seriana's new to the wonderful world of debit cards. And my debit card's so overused that my chip doesn't work half the time. <laughs> so I sent her inside with my debit card to get our shit. See if she figures this one out. And Bailey and I are sitting in the car. And she's in there for a good six or seven minutes. So for those of you playing along, it's like an eight-minute drive, six, seven minutes. You know, I'm bordering on my 20-minute cutoff time to pick up my food. She finally comes out. We drive next door. And I say, hey, I'm going to run inside real quick and get our food. Stay in here. Engine's running. So Nugget and Bailey are out in the car, and I run inside. And I run up, and I say, hey, I'm here to pick up a pickup order. What's the name? I said, it's either this or this, because I didn't know what name Carrie is. She used her card, so maybe she put it under her name, or she knew I was going to pick it up, and so she put it underneath my name. So gave them the names, plural. And then go back there and look at all the bags. No, not ready yet. Okay, so I'm standing off to the side. And I don't have a mask on because, well, I was planning on running there and getting my shit and coming out. I stand in line while they process 10 people behind me. And as the last pair is standing there, they got like three boxes of food coming out. And I finally said, hey, where's my damn food? I said, you guys just processed 10 people through line the whole time I've been standing here. What's the name of the order? Gave them the names. They go back there, bring me my food. It had been sitting back there the entire time. So it's a cold pile of crap at this point. So I sat there as long as it took not only to process 10 people through line, but to process and give them their food. Because the very last people that upset me got three boxes of shit. So did you um, have them remake it? 
I said, uh, I said, this is nonsense. I said, I've been standing here this whole time and my food's been back here the whole time. And I'm, I, I'm walking away and the guy's like, well, next time you come back, wear a mask. I said, next time I, I said, I'm not fucking coming back. What I should have said was, if you're so worried about my mask, why didn't you offer me one to 10 minutes I've been standing here? So I walk outside and well, being angry and annoyed and the fact that I just spent $31 on a bunch of cold shit, I decide to uh, call corporate. Mm-hmm. Blowing a phone call to Miami or wherever the hell are, no one's answering. Okay. So I Google the local branch. It sounds like Marge is answering the phone. And when um, it gets to the point, if you have a comment about your recent visit, press three. So I press three and I and they have a very weird ringtone. And the ringtone, which is very unique, I never heard it before, sounds exactly like the ringtones that when I called corporate, no one answered. Mm-hmm. Guy picks up. Thank you for calling Apoyo Tropical. How can I help you? I said, are you at the local branch or is this the corporate office? This is the corporate office. And so I explained what happened. Okay, okay. Well, what? Uh, we'll uh, check into that and see what's going on at that location. That's it. That's it. I said, so for $31, all I got was a bunch of cold food and a heaping full of attitude. Click. Oh, this isn't going to stand. What is the normal protocol for a fast food restaurant, sit down restaurant? Anytime you leave their facility with a bag of food and there's a problem. What is the generic default? What can I do to help you out? How can we make this right? And then they usually offer you two options. You can come back and we'll fix it right now, or I'll put your credit. or I'll put your name on a list and give you store credit. Mm-hmm. That wasn't an option because I got hung up on. So I called back a second time. Lady answered the phone. You know, a little hot under the collar. Gave time? her the whole rigmarole. Okay, well I'll put this in the notes. And we'll see what's going on at that loca- that location. I said that's it. That's it. You don't see a note from my previous. <sighs> I said, well, thanks so much, and tell your coworkers to stop hanging up on your customers. So not even two people at their corporate office, and not even a sorry about that, sorry for hanging up on you, sorry for screaming at you in our lobby about not wearing a mask and not even offering you a mask if we were that concerned about the fact, or asking you to go out into your car and get your mask while you're waiting in our lobby for 10 fucking minutes. But no, I still have $30 waiting on me down Burger King, which I'll never go and collect. (laughs) But at least you can offer and so I was just like, so I was like, what the fuck ever? Well, Harry's like, why weren't you about... wearing your mask? <laughs> I'm like, cause I was, I was only expecting to be in there for 38 I was seconds. Blowing in and blowing out. I could have covered my face with my shirt. And furthermore, if they were that offended, they could have said, Hey sir, while you're waiting, could you put on this mask or Hey, do you have a mask in your car? No, it didn't become an issue until I got shitty with them about their bad customer service. See what happens now. We've all had bad customer service, apparently, especially in drive throughs You've heard me bemoan the attitudes of people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because we've been on a tear of eating like crap. Yeah, me too. Which is stopping, hopefully, tomorrow. And then it'll stop the following day. Anyway, I went to uh, one place known as Carl's Jr. Blah. Shame on you. Uh, I got, the, I like their Santa Fe chicken sandwich. So I went there. It's like going to Hardee's. It's kind of a. Quite, it is exactly. Like I know. Hardy's. That's why I said it. So I went there, and you know, there's a very pleasant person on the other end, very cheery. Oh my God, this is good. Pulled up to the window. She's very cheery. She, said, I'll be right back. And I'm watching her buzz around and getting things done. And it come back. 
And I said, and she, you know, here, here's your food. I said, in this day and age, it is a, it, it warms my heart to see somebody with such a great attitude. Mm-hmm. Please keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. I've seen you buzzing around here. You're going places. And she was thrilled with that compliment. Oh, and exactly. And don't, don't think I'm just somebody who bitches when I get bad service. I think I explained before I was at a gas station manager was over there sitting at the table mm-hmm. doing whatever managers do at the table. I had a line of 12 people out the door. And the young chick was up there jockeying two cash registers simultaneously. And I went up there and I said, don't think it's going unnoticed that you're busting your ass while your manager's back or sitting at the table. Couldn't take five minutes out of whatever he's doing to come up here and get these people out of line. So I too am quick to throw someone a, you know, that a boy. And, and you know, the other thing that helps too, like, especially like if you're at a grocery store. Can you say at a boy in this day and age? At a non-binary, blah, 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 blah. But uh, if you also want to make someone's day, especially if they have the type of job that requires a name tag, call them by their name. It throws them off because they they interact with so many people who just blow through. Thanks, Tina. You know, thanks, Roger, whatever. And they're like, oh, shit, oh, thanks. You know, because all of a sudden you notice them. They're not just a phase. As I've mentioned before, that's what I do, but uh, unfortunately it does throw me when there's the genders, the three different gender words under the name. <sighs> Speaking of which, for those of you not on TikTok, prepare yourself for the new trend going around. Which is? Because <laughs> we're assholes and we're tired of y'all in the LGBT, LMNQOP world. WXYZ. Someone was having fun on TikTok and it's blown up using TikTok using the avatars that was available to him through TikTok. He put an orange square and a black square next to each other and said, this is the new flag for the super straight party. <laughs> it has since been turned into an official thing. And so now there's all these obviously not, you know, gay and lesbians of our generation because they don't give a shit, but all the type of people from Gen Z who get offended over everything think it is super offensive and completely inappropriate that we have our own flag now and that we're proud to be super straight. And if you profess the fact that you're super straight, you're transphobic and a hate monger, <laughs> which is just giving fuel to these guys who are doing it. So they, they're referring that to the uh, cisgendered flag? It, well, that no. The party is called the super straight party. Yes, it's an orange and super black straight. flag. And then they've even gone into Photoshop now. And so now it's the orange flag and black flag side by side. And they took the male and female logos and interlocked them and put them horizontal. So now we have our own. Well, if you're claiming super straight, you have your own flag. But it's just funny to see how see? fury and people are like, wait a minute. How come you when you're, you're flying your flag? You want to talk about acceptance and all that, but you hate our flag. <laughs> and so there's this Here's, war going on. It's fucking hilarious between the no, super straight party. It's a party. funny war, which the ultimate weapon is, is without this flag and the male and female coming together, we cease to exist as a race. Well, not only that, but it's just funny. Oh, I'm sorry. Everything's all into a cup and that way. Well, it's just funny because the guy who did it and the people who kind of make it, started to blow up was just basically saying okay we're gonna play by your rules you guys have a flag you want to 
create your identity around your sexual preference. So we're going to come up with our own flag and we're going to announce the fact that we're proud that we're straight. <laughs> and they are fucking rip shit pissed. That's so funny to see all these yeah, videos coming out by standards these standards seem to get in the way. Yep. So now if, if you claim to be super straight and you fly the super straight flag, you're transphobic. Question is, is are you getting a super straight flag put on the back of your rig? No, I've always said that, um, my, my old joke was the thing I don't understand about, and this is, I've been saying this for years long before the LGBTQ and the trans and all that is I have no quarrels with what you want to do in your bedroom. 100%. But the flying of the flag, the flag stickers and this and that, it's just, who needs it? I don't have a, you know, the joke then was I don't have a gray and black rainbow sticker on my truck saying I'm straight or I love to eat pussy on the front windshield. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that I'm straight. I don't care that you're gay. And that's the ultimate thing. If you say I don't care, they're offensive. No, you shouldn't be offended by the fact that I don't care because I don't care is the truest form of acceptance. Me saying I don't care that you're gay is meaning that I put as much thought into what your lifestyle choices are about whether or not you like to eat kale over spinach. I don't care. It's not going to affect how I look at you. I don't care if you like to eat macaroni on Tuesdays and steak on Thursdays. You're gay. Great. Nice to meet you. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't even come up. It doesn't register to me. I, it doesn't go yeah, into uh, my thought of building an opinion on you. It, to me, it's just, okay, great. You're gay. You smoke. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's neither here nor there. Yeah, that, that, okay. That's awesome. You do you, I do me. Let's work on something that's got a serious problem that needs to be solved. But the, the, and, in fact, that you say you don't care is even offensive. And I know you guys can see the, the photo. No, my green screen hasn't fallen down. I'm actually going to try to make it smaller so it looks less generic. I'm actually going to take the green screen and attach it to the soundproof board that Bailey knocked over and put it over my window. It says instead of having this huge logo in the background, it's going to look more like a billboard, if you will, in the future. So I, I understand it looks weird because it's kind of cut off, but I, it'll look better in the future. But no, it's just it's just so funny to see what drives people crazy nowadays. Yep, you're absolutely correct. Real quick before we get to the news. Okay. Technology is a great thing. And it's a horrible thing all at the same time. Two weeks ago, I was going to bring us up on last week's show, but we got too busy talking about everything else. I got a text message. I think I still have it. It's from the Lee County Sheriff's. It was a missing person text message. Be on the lookout for, and it was super generic, like, all like extremely generic. I'm just trying to see if I still have it. So not very descriptive at all, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Okay, that's not a big deal. It's a text message, but the funny thing is, is oh, here we go. Missing persons report. Missing persons. This is on February 22nd. We are currently searching for a missing person in your area. Please be on the lookout for Derek Richard, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then it has a link. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's now gone, but anyhow, it's, it's like white male, five, four, brown hair, brown eyes, last known wearing, no idea. Okay. So I need to be look on the lookout for a middle-aged guy with brown hair, brown eyes at an average height. And you have no idea what he's wearing. But the link takes you to a website, right? 
Mm-hmm. What can you do with a website? Nothing. Really? Yeah. You have a website. You just wrote a description of the person you're looking for on there. Well, they think, yeah. So they think they're limited. Really? Yeah. So it, Katina comes up missing. Cop comes to your house. You give him a description. Would you say, hey, here's a photograph. Let me text it to you. <coughs> <coughs> and then they can put the that photo of her, right yeah put the photo on the website that's linked mm-hmm. from the text message that's attached to a generic we're looking for somebody we don't know what they're wearing he's five foot eight brown hair brown eyes super generic description house. yeah if you're asking me to look for somebody and you're sending me a text message as a link to a website clearly someone reported this person missing mm-hmm. and everybody has a cell phone Mm-hmm. I'm sure one of those persons had a photograph, whether it was four years old or not. They could have gave the cop who could afford it to the IT guy who took the 30 seconds to write the description on the website. You and could, didn't even put the blast out. A lot of times you get the blast on the phones, right? Well, that's how I got it. I got it through a text message, which included the link because the text message was incredibly vague. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to I didn't know who I'm looking for? This is like one out of every three people in this town. They're five foot eight, brown hair. Mid twenties, no weight, last known wearing. They had no description of the clothes. Super generic. Yeah, but did that text message come along with that? Uh, with the the tone that's you know. Emergency no, it didn't do the Amber Alert. This was just yeah. a generic one that came through. Well, now I'm thinking it's suspicious. Suspicious. No, because it took you to a website. It wasn't like. But I don't know. I just thought you know if you're going to go through the hassle of texting people in your town and sending them to a website, get a fucking picture of the person you're looking for. We looking for them, or aren't we? Unfortunately, picture is not available at time. <laughs> at least say, hey, they got a tattoo that says "dickhead" on the forehead. You know what I mean? There was just it was just a super nondescript bolo. We're looking for this guy, but he looks like every other guy. No descript. Can't tell you what he's wearing. No tattoos. No piercings. Just just the dude. But we're looking just for him. You ready to do the news? Just the dude. Let's do the news. Just a dude doing the news. Let's do the news with just a dude. Joining us now from the Digital 410 West News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, how are you doing tonight? I am doing better than this couple. Um, you like watch HGTV, right? Yeah, can I do a visual joke for you and the um, live stream audience? Real sure. quick. See my shirt? Yeah. Whoops. He's breaking shit. Watch this. Oh boy. Describe my shirt to the listening audience. The shirt is a is an image of Bill Murray with a army hat on and a some card sticking out of the band of it. And oh my god, there you go. <laughs> You're missing the cards. You gotta have the cards. The cards would make it. You know how many times I've worn this shirt in public and people ask me why I have a shirt with my picture on it? Well, you really should pull it off by wearing that helmet, too. For those of you listening at home, it's the age-appropriate picture of Bill Murray with the white and gray beard, but he has his Stripes helmet and uniform on from the movie Stripes. And so I had the same gray beard, so I just put on my Marine Corps helmet from World War II that has the same camouflage pattern. And so when I put on the helmet, because I have a white beard and similar eyebrows, I look like my Bill Murray shirt. Well, your next uh, YouTube video should be you walking around town with that shirt on and the helmet. Yeah. 
Anyhow, back to the news. So, uh, you ever seen the show Property Brothers? Is that with the ambiguous gay twins? Well, they're not gay, but yes, the two twins. One of them has to be. Nah. They're both married. Okay, maybe he's got a They beer. experimented in college. Possibly. But they're Canadian, too. Hey. Anyway. Well, by sued. default, then that makes them American gay. <laughs> well, they do live in Vegas now, or at least have a home here. Okay. And uh, back in 2018, they approached, and this is coming in from Channel 13, so I need to give my, my credit where it needs to go. They, uh, they were searching for somebody's house to renovate to be the first people in, in, in Vegas, and they did this. And these people ended up wiring the money to Sinflix, the production company, which is about $193,000 for remodels. So they ain't cheap. So the audience actually does pay for some of that remodeling. Yes, they That's do. not just all hand-me-downs from free promotions through the courtesy of Bob's Big Builders. Exactly. So according to the lady wife, um, everything, you know, would be perfect, perfect HGTV quality she is expecting. It also states all the work, even a deficiency list, will be completed in a certain amount of time. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty confident that the Property Brothers show, you know, that everything comes off well. <sighs> well, it did not. Of course and not. They had a punch list of like 90 defective things. They were only willing to fix 10 of them. And it wasn't them. It was a local contractor who... Uh, who was really kind of caught in a sling on this one, but uh, there was things that was out of code. There was just basically shoddy workmanship. No shit. Cause they're trying uh, to get this thing done in two weeks. Yep. You guys want a fun, you want a fun time and a good wormhole to go down research. The less than happy um, owners of the vehicles and houses from monster house, monster garage, monster car, pimp my ride trading spaces, all those Discovery Channel shows where people would come out and flip the cars, flip the houses, do the trading spaces. There's so many people. There's one of them where... Oh, Bailey, stop. Hold on. I'll let you out in a minute. There's one of them where the lady was doing like the pre-interview and she said she hated earth tones and didn't like wicker. And so they thought, hey, here's an idea. Let's spray 3M glue all over her walls and cover her walls with straw. If the chick doesn't like wicker, what makes you think she wants hay glued to her wall? It said it took eight people night after production left and refused to fix it. It took eight people 19 hours to scrape all that crap off their walls. And so, um, I think the batting average is higher for disappointment and let down from the people on those shows than people are actually happy. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's yeah, it's Hollywood people. It is Hollywood. Half those cars from Pimp My Ride, like all the electronics and that, they take it out after the show's over. Like the, the people have like all the super cool stuff in their cars. They would take like all the screens and TVs out and just leave them with the car after the production. Indeed. So uh, <laughs> next story is uh, a woman has had a pretty bad day. And this lady, this is coming in from the AP out of Portland, Maine. Not to be confused with Portland, Oregon, but Portland, Maine. And this female was a passenger who had the bad luck to get impaled Ooh. when a falling tree struck the vehicle she was riding in. <clears throat> she suffered several broken, seven broken ribs, but she, she is getting better by the day. According to the report, Teresa Roy, 79 years of age, has a long uh, recovery head, said her husband, David Roy. 
He's a guy with two first names. But he said that he's just uh, happy that they're alive after this bizarre accident, which destroyed their vehicle and injured both of them. He does feel like they had a guardian angel. And David Roy said his wife, they were driving uh, home to Oakland, not California, but Maine, on a two-way road because their vehicle had been uh, buffeted by strong winds earlier on the freeway. And uh, they basically got hit by a tree while he was at 80 miles, or sorry, 50 miles an hour. And a limb came through the windshield as he struggled to control the vehicle and through the center dashboard and windshield at an angle hitting him and striking his wife's armpit Damn! while the other one broke the windshield. So this almost sounds like something you'd see off of one of them Chicago shows yeah. or, or, or rescue or nine one one. I think one of those, one. yeah, those fake, they're, they're um, just like, Oh, this can't be real. Ambulance shows way, way out of there. And then lo and behold, too real to be fiction. Did you know that Santa Cruz is reissuing the Nottis Coppice boards? Yes. Apparently, the big thing, because I'm seeing videos on TikTok, is they're selling them. Parola was doing all of them under those names. I, I'm i seeing people tagging Santa Cruz, so I don't know. who. Owned, be, who I don't think Nottis was a pal, was a pal pro at the board, was it? SMA, Santa Monica Airlines. But anyhow, people are buying blank bags. They don't know what board's in there because 80s are coming back. So all these young kids are spending money buy, trying to collect all the boards. And I was never a big big fan of Nottis Coppice. But you got your double deck. Yep. You know, funny thing, about four or five years ago, I was trying to research this to do an article on my website, and I couldn't find any information. And the Vision double deck was... Allegedly, one of the very first skateboards that had the matching nose and tail, because prior to this, they had the fishtail and the flat nose. They're reissuing this now, too. I wonder how much I can get for that original. I'm about to pull the grip tape off and see how see the how good that logo looks on the top. Probably nice and preserved. Yeah. I guess I should stop using this as a balance board, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you go to the beach from time to time. Sure do. About once every... Six months. Well, so did this uh, couple in California, but there's a twist. California police arrest a man accused of trying to bury his wife alive at the beach. Who has it? <laughs> right? That's why you go to the beach for it. So in Coronado, California, the police arrested a male late Wednesday of last week. After they said he tried to bury his wife alive at the beach. So what's interesting is the timing of the phone call. It was just before 9 p.m. And this time of the year, guess what? The beach is dark. So you ain't playing the burying them uh, in the sand during the day. And unlike Florida, most California beaches close at sundown. So they won't even let you. Actually, no. Some of them actually have fire pits. Yep. Do you have fire pits on your beach? No. Mm, that's no fun. You nope. got dog beaches? Uh, we have one dog beach, but it's in a location where the tide comes up. High tide, there is no beach. So it washes all the dog shit onto the golf. But that's why they have it there, because it's it's a basically a self-cleaning beach. Oh, there you go. So anyway, when they received this call just before 9 p.m. from a woman who said her husband had tried to kill her at the beach, the police arrived to find her pretty badly injured on the sidewalk. The police said they believed the couple came to the beach earlier Wednesday night at some point and got into an argument. You don't say. This argument evidently escalated to the point where the man started to attack his wife, according to police. And he tried to throw her into the ocean. When that didn't work. That's a fool's errand. 
Skip kill the back. Hole in the sand. Now my question is, is did he have a shovel? No, he he dog scooped it. He dog scooped it. Yeah, got down the two and, point stance like he's running a hike of football and just start going. <laughs> the woman was able to escape while it probably was mid dog scoop. Well, of course. Have you ever tried to hold a woman down and dig a hole at the same time? I have not. How is that? How does it go? No comment. <laughs> so the woman escaped and ran towards Ocean Boulevard, where a passerby found her. Paramedics took her into a, a nearby hospital. The woman. Husband was identified as one twenty-three-year-old Jose Luis Maras the Third from Monero Valley. Was found by police a short time later, hiding in the backyard of a home. He was arrested and charged with attempted murder, assaulting, assault causing great bodily injury, domestic violence, false imprisonment, <laughs> and violation of parole. Life choices. Life choices. Needless to say, he's a good man, though. He treats fine. the kids nice. Now, a little interesting. He only that, has a problem when he drinks. The rest of the time, he's like a giant teddy bear. Yeah. But so he loves them four locos, gets a couple four locos into him and a white claw or two, and forget about it. I might get oh, a little yeah. shiner, but, you know, I, I try. I ain't no Kill. snitch, though. Good man's hard to come stitches. by nowadays. Yeah. I think I, I can change him. With him. I bet she gets back with him. Um, who says she ever left him? Probably didn't. I ain't pressing charges. I'm sure the uh, accent isn't that way out in California. <clears throat> However, for the last story of the evening, we got Salem, New Hampshire, coming in from the AP. There's been a 15-month-long investigation into a vandalism at a group of rocks. Not to be confused with a rock group, but um, it's a group of rock configurations in New Hampshire that's referred to as America's Stonehenge. Okay, so because it's at a state-run park, that's why they're going to invest 15 months worth of investigation. If this was a Walmart or a curb, no one would have put this amount of time and labor into it. One Mark Russo, 51 years of age, of Swedesburg, New Jersey has been charged with one count of felony, criminal mischief. Accused of defacing stone in Salem back in 2019, the lawyer entered, well, of course, a not guilty plea on his behalf. Now, what's interesting is the marks and how they uh, people think it's a QAnon thing. Oh, boy. So police said the rock tablets appeared to have been damaged by a power tool. Okay, so this guy who works. Okay, there's one. Uh, it was carved with the following slogans. WWG1, WGA, and I am, I am M-A-R-K, or I am Mark. Police says that the first stands for where we go one, we go all. and is evidently a motto affiliated with the QAnon conspiracy theory. They never, they don't really say about the I am Mark. Oh, well, I'm sorry. His name is Mark Russo. That's the same man. The guy's name is Mark. He literally left his, he left his Mark. Um, So the 18 inch or 35 centimeter tall wooden cross was found suspended between the trees. Attached to the cross were several photographs of hand drawn images. 
Police arrested Russo after finding the images of the stone and Russo online and linking him to the I am Mark Twitter account, <laughs> which referenced to a few improvements. This guy's an idiot. As with most of these QAnon people and most of the site <clears throat> images on the cross were linked to Russo. Obviously, bail was set at any guess, any guess state park 50 grand. $3,000 cash. Hmm. Sorry, my Who's my Alexa's in there making all this weird noises and I'm trying to turn off the reminders because... Tell her to go left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, BA start. Anyway, uh, I probably got the code wrong. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Yes. So basically, this America Stonehenge, which featured cave-like granite enclosures... And has drawn believers that says it's more than a thousand years old and skeptic says the evidence says it's a work of a 19th century shoemaker. So a cobbler either cobbled this together. I thought a cobbler was a shoe cobbler. person. It is a shoemaker. Oh, okay. Remember we had a store up in Columbus. Son of, son son of, of a cobbler. Son of a cobbler. So that is all we have because everything else out there sucks to find. Mm-hmm. And this note, I am going to call it quits for the news. This concludes the evening news. And now back to the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode. Um, as always, head over to d-410.com and click on the social media link to find out where you can find us. Go track me down on TikTok. Help me get to that 10 grand marker. And as always, head over to YouTube and look for Digital 410 and Analog 410. And if you didn't know, this podcast is available where all podcasts are found. So head over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your preferred uh, podcast. But uh, remember... Um, well, we're going to go, and on behalf of Gordon, I am Don Abernathy. Remember, if you don't get out of bed, and oh, I'm sorry, I'm so distracted. If you don't challenge yourself, you'll never get out of bed. So go out and uh, challenge yourself to do better things and uh, improve your life and all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>